Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. The Patriots will start a machine at quarterback before they ever seriously consider Andy Dalton Perna. That is George Kittle catching balls in his backyard from a Joker-themed catching machine. But you know Bill Belichick saw that thing and was like, Yes, that's the perfect quarterback right there. One I can program, is always on target, will never talk back or question my intelligence, and most importantly will never leave me for Tampa Bay and a frat guy head coach. Give me the machine. Give him to me, Robert Kraft. We are not that far off from that happening. Uh, NFL news is winding down, but Andy Dalton did sign a one-year deal with the Cowboys. The NFL uh, is slated to make an announcement on the schedule this week. Legend and former Dolphins head coach Don Shula passed away, and live sports are returning to ESPN this week. Korean baseball coming right on your at your face. That's good sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. Now, since I never talk about baseball here, unless I'm referring to Michael Jordan's career, I will start with America's pastime in Korea. ESPN is set to air one KBO game per day starting this week. The KBO is the Korean Baseball Organization. Not to be confused with the KBG, which everyone knows stands for Korean Boob Girls. Now, the games will be called by ESPN personalities, including Carl Ravitch, Jessica Mendoza, Eduardo Perez, Boog, Skiambi, and Kyle Peterson. All people I totally know uh, will be calling the games from their home studios. But regardless, some live sports will be happening for anyone who needs them. I got excited about this for one reason, and that's because I confused the KBO with the Taiwanese baseball team that placed mannequins and cardboard cutouts in the stands at their games. You might have seen this, the Rakuten Monkeys. Rakuten. 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 Who, according to Rex Chapman, are trying to steal children to groom into the league's next great players, had 500 robot mannequins rooting for their team at their games in April. One reporter at the game said, There's more life in these cardboard cutouts than I saw at a single Chargers game last season. Burned. 2020 has sucked. No arguing that. But in a snapshot of creepy shit, this has to be top 10. Now, the NFL plans to release the regular and preseason football schedule later this week. Uh, Pretty impressive, considering none of us still know when we can go eat at a restaurant or go to a movie theater again. But the NFL, goddammit, they're gonna play some football. That said, I have never in my life hoped the NFL would assert its dominance like I am hoping they will come August. If they have to play the season without fans, that is fine. I am not suggesting they put any of our lives at risk. I am only suggesting that they put player safety at risk for my entertainment, which is all I ask every time I sit down to watch a football game, really. The big adjustment, though, uh, so far, is that there will not be any international games played by the NFL. I'm sure the Jaguars will still play that 7th and 8th home game somewhere technically not international, like... Puerto Rico, the Samoan Islands, or New Mexico, the most foreign place currently on U.S. soil. 
Anyone who's been to the Biztida Nazin Wilderness Area or the Roswell UFO Museum knows what the fuck I am talking about. I mentioned this in the last episode, but make sure you watch the E60 piece on Alex Smith. His recovery from his shattered leg is remarkable. What he went through is ridiculous, but the craziest part of the episode is when Alex Smith said, I nearly lost my leg, my life, and endured 17 surgeries and a severe bacterial infection, but none of that was as hard as getting the Redskins into first place in the division before my injury. That organization is an unmitigated disaster more mangled than my leg ever was. That part of the episode that definitely is true uh, blew my mind. Profound remarks. Smith had Washington in first place before he went down is what shocked me about the documentary. And now I wonder if Dan Snyder had this done on purpose, like Nancy Kerrigan, to make sure he didn't give his season ticket holders any extra playoff games. Now, I do believe the Washington Potatoes are cursed, in addition to being a terribly run organization. When Smith was hurt, we all knew there were eerie similarities between his injury and the same one that happened to Washington Potatoes quarterback Joe Theismann 23 years earlier. But this side-by-side is beyond eerie. It's proof of a curse. And whoever is quarterback in Washington in 23 years do not play on November 18th. Smith and Theismann suffered the same injury, a broken right tibia and fibula, on the same day, the same location, same spot on the field at the 39-yard line, same final score, both caused by a three-time defensive player of the year while their starting Pro Bowl left tackle was out of the game with an injury. Next to Randy Johnson's pitch disintegrating a bird live, that's one of the most bizarre sports things I think we've ever seen. Now, Andy Dalton signed with the Dallas Cowboys. I tried so hard to give a shit about this signing, but it's just like Andy Dalton's entire career. Fucking abysmally boring and average. Literally the least important news I have ever heard in my life. I hate that this is all I have to give you in terms of real football news. Andy Dalton signs a one-year contract with the Cowboys to back up Dak Prescott and serve as a nice replacement if Dak gets hurt. So insignificant and boring. But it was literally the biggest football news from the weekend. So there you have it. I did see an interesting tweet posted by QB Datamine. It stated that Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was the worst intermediate passer on play action in the NFL, connecting on only 17 of 34 attempts. Now, at first, I thought this was going to be one of those clickbaity type tweets, uh, as that's a stat nobody gives a shit about. Sure, Lamar Jackson was MVP, but was he great on intermediate play-action passes? Or how well did Lamar Jackson throw in night games when his shoe was untied and he had scrambled eggs for breakfast? But QB Datamine appears to be a respectable football nerd account, just posting information because they followed that tweet with another uh, stating that Lamar Jackson was also the second best intermediate passer, completing 67.3% of his passes on regular dropbacks. Now, I found this interesting because we've grown accustomed to Lamar Jackson being able to do anything when he has the ball in his hands. I mean, he threw 36 touchdowns, just six picks, and for over 3,100 yards last season. But even he struggles to throw accurately when he doesn't get his feet set. Now, I would argue he has the worst footwork in the league, 
always spinning and juking and running at full speed and scoring touchdowns. That's no way to throw a football, Lamar. But this should scare non-Ravens fans in the AFC North because it means Jackson is most accurate, at least intermediately, when he drops back like a traditional quarterback and throws. He also increased his completion percentage by 8% from year one to year two. So imagine if he improves again and improves passing on his play action passes. We're probably talking about a Drew Brees type completion rate at over 70% while still being a threat to run every play. Basically Deshaun Watson. Now legendary Dolphins head coach Don Shula passed away at the age of 90. It wasn't from the Rona, and he died peacefully as the most winning head coach in NFL history. Shula finished with 328 wins, 10 ahead of George Hallis, and 55 more than Bill Belichick has. Shula coached for 33 years and, of course, led the Dolphins to that perfect season back in 1972. Every time I think of Don Shula, though, I remember his 300 wins football card I got when I was a kid. I was like, this is a really cool football card. But who the fuck wants a football card with a coach on it? I was seven at the time and didn't appreciate his legacy yet. Now the worst part of Don Shula passing is being eulogized by OJ Simpson on Twitter. You know, Shula was the one coach I most wanted to play for during my career. Unfortunately, I murdered two people because I'm OJ Simpson. I had to play against him twice a year in Buffalo against Miami and never in all of those years that we ever win one game. <laughs> Don Shula, the only, the only guy who could actually stop OJ Simpson. I will say, knowing he passed on May the 4th, may the 4th be with you, I can only assume he has transcended this world and is now at peace with the other Jedi. Thank you for coaching the perfect team, Don, and giving Dolphins fans one thing to still lord over the Patriots. And it's also impressive that it was Don Shula's own team that prevented the 1985 Bears from going undefeated, handing them their one and only loss of the season on Monday Night Football behind Dan Marino's passing attack. Rest in peace, Don Shula. You are a legend. Thanks for watching another episode of That's Good Sports. Please subscribe here on the YouTubes for football updates and football BS. I'll throw that BS right in your face and you will like it. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon Perna if you care to follow me on those things. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. <laughs>